want to welcome all of our listeners to another episode of Minority Report Podcast with Eric and Carell. Each episode, we talk with leaders in business, tech, and media. And joining us today is Justin Barton, who is the SVP of Digital Strategy and Partnerships at Black Enterprise. Justin, welcome. How are you today? I am doing well, doing well. Thank you for having me. It's been a long time coming. I've been a fan of the podcast since your inception, so looking forward to this today. That's awesome. Thanks. That's so exciting to hear and really excited to talk to you about so much. You've got such great experience across a lot of different media companies and I think different roles that are really exciting. But first, tell us a little bit about you, Justin. Where were you born and raised? And tell us a little bit about early days at Justin. Sure. Yeah. I was born not too far from where I am right now. I'm in Dumbo, Brooklyn. So I was born in Brooklyn Heights at Long Island College Hospital. So born in Brooklyn, raised my formidable years on Long Island. So that's this accent you'll hear throughout the podcast. Went to high school in Long Island and then eventually also college. I went to Hofstra University, I graduated with a BA in business administration, and I got my MBA from Long Island University at Post. So through and through a Long Island child, but been in the city for the last, you know, 17, 18 years now working in the media industry, like you mentioned. That's great. We'll talk a little bit more about that. I would love to know how you sort of broke into the business and you've worked with some tremendous, tremendous companies, just to name a couple Viacom, iHeartMedia, Mail Online, and, and several more. But Justin, before you broke into media, like, tell us a little bit about kind of like your family and like, Growing up, you know, on Long Island, like, tell us about your family and how you ended up there. Yeah, family originally from Brooklyn, educators. So my father was, you know, an English teacher and then became an assistant principal in Brooklyn in New York City. My mother, similar route, English teacher, became an assistant principal, chairperson of English, assistant principal in New York City, eventually moved to Long Island. And essentially from there, my mother, you know, she got her doctorate. She just retired last year. My father's been retired for probably almost 10 years now, but really instilling in us, my sister and myself, who's also a marketing professional at 5WPR, you know, instilling in us the work ethic and trying to be the best at what we do and, and just the success. And it's really paid off for both my sister and myself when I look at where we are in our careers, you know, certainly just having them just be a steady light for us to follow, at the same time, putting us in the right situations, putting us in the right schools, guiding us to the right colleges and universities, all that kind of led me to where I am right now. So you're going to have to teach a media or marketing class at a university at some point, huh? Given your, <laughs> given the yeah. background. <laughs> the, that, you know, that is something I don't see myself as being that great of a teacher, but it is in my blood. So it's something I should try sometime in my career. So we'll see. I think it's in the cards, Justin. Yeah. I think it's, it's somewhere there. But we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I want to ask you about your career path because it sounds like your family, as you said, you know, really sort of early on said, hey, here's how you can build an early sort of success formula, right? If you do these kinds of things, what brought you into media coming out of school? Like what were some of those stepping stones that brought you in that direction? Yeah. So my first job out of college, I always wanted to be an investment banker. I was like, I want the money. And, and then, you know, I graduated 2003 and it just wasn't the right time. I went to corporate finance. I worked at a global fortune 500 company staffing organization where I started in collections and then led data analysis for that same group. And, you know, I never really enjoyed the job overall. It was a job. It was, you know, 
it taught me so much. But at the same time, I always wanted something in the media realm. I just like the whole immediate response of putting something out there and then seeing either, you know, ratings or seeing traffic or whatever it may be. And that's how I essentially eventually took a job at Disney ABC television. I used my finance background. I was senior analyst of finance there. And then it just snowballed from there, you know, moving from finance to analytics to audience development to kind of where I am now running pretty much everything digital at Black Enterprise. Tell us about what's going on at Black Enterprise these days. Yeah. So Black Enterprise, you know, certainly when I arrived July 2019, we were about 400,000 unique visitors in Comscore, but there was a lot of fertile ground at the company. It just needed to be cultivated. And essentially what really helped that was the pandemic, you know, having everybody focused on moving away from the magazine, which we sunset to the 50th anniversary edition in 2020 and moving towards digital and really My background at the Daily Mail taught me a lot about how to grow traffic. And a lot of that is investing in journalism. And right when the pandemic started, the first thing that I did as people were being laid off from journalism jobs was just hire. So we hired 10 to 12 writers and just said, okay, let's get out there and let's create content. And that's essentially what we did. We published tons of stories that focus on the Black community. If people don't know Black Enterprise, Black Enterprise is essentially was a magazine started by Earl G. Graves Sr. in 1970. And the way I explain to people, it's the Black Forbes or Fortune magazine. That's what it was. Essentially, our DNA is in business. So we cover all entrepreneurial stories that are positive in the Black community. We also cover the lifestyle stories. Every athlete and celebrity just doesn't want to be known for that profession. They want to be known for their business acumen as well. So we cover those. And just doing that is what, at a velocity this high, is what drove traffic. And we've been as high as 13 million recently. But we are, you know, if you look at Comscore, the number one Black publication out there, larger than The Griot, The Root, Essence, Ebony, Revolt. The only one who's a little bit higher than us right now is BT, but they're owned by Viacom and Paramount. And we kind of put them in a second, a separate little bucket. But we are the number one in Comscore when you look at traffic as Black sites. That's where we are. So it's been a meteoric rise. It's really helped us. It's got our name out there more than we've ever had. And we see it translating into not just traffic, but obviously ad sales and really our great events business that we have as well translating there. So we went from putting on three or four in-person events a year to doing three and four person events now to also having 10 virtual events, six town halls, a whole bunch of digital shows that run throughout our website and the social media. So this has been a great experience at Black Enterprise, being able to see that we had the pieces in place. It was just putting the right strategy behind it. And and now we're really winning. Nice, nice. Well, congrats to you and the team there on all the the success that you're you're having. I want to take a step back and, and talk about your career journey a bit and more specifically your career journey within media as a Black man. One of the main reasons why Eric and I started this podcast is because as two men of color in our industry, we didn't necessarily see all the representation that we thought we should see. And, you know, we also sort of got tired of being looked at as like the only ones in the room or few of the only ones in the room. And so I'm curious to hear from you, Justin, how has your career journey and experience as a Black man been in the media industry? Yeah, so it's been successful and it's had its, you know, struggles as well. 
when I tell people about my career, it's very STEM. So if you see my LinkedIn, I was an analyst, a senior analyst, a manager, a senior manager, a director, a senior director, a VP, and now SVP. So that has been a successful rise over, let's say, the past 10, 15 years within the industry. And what it really helps me do is, you know, I've done everything from crunch the reports to do the strategy. And that's been a benefit. And I've had a lot of great opportunities to be in the room where it happens, as they would say in Hamilton, right? So when I was at Interactive One, I was a senior analyst in charge of the KPI report. So every week there'll be a KPI meeting with all the executives and we would go through the report and I would hear the back and forth. And this is when I was younger in my early 20s and just learning from them. And then other organizations as I went up, making sure that I was in that room. So that part has been successful. It's helped me accelerate my career and have the success I've had because there were no steps skipped in my career. I've done everything to move up the ladder. But at the same time, you know, when you're working at the big corporations, and we can still name them like the Viacoms and iHeartMedias, it is, a like you were saying, a different experience when you are the only one in many of the rooms. I would say Viacom is a little bit better with that with the diversity hires, but it is challenging because you don't really have that person to ever really look up to in the organization and say, oh, I can be that person, right? Or that person can be my mentor, or they can help me through this process. And a lot of the journey was me having the trial and error going through it to get my career to where it is. So I had to go through the success and the failures along the way to get me where I am. And you know, a lot of that just really surrounded I would say preconceived notions of who I was. And especially when you're high performing, you have intellectual curiosity and you want to do good things. Sometimes you bunt heads with people who are just in you know, the industry to, you know, it's a nice cushy job for them. They're high up, they're successful, but they don't want to like rock the boat. And throughout my career, I have been the rock the boat type of guy because I want to have the success. It has caused issues in the past, but we've seen the success I've had working through all that. Gotcha. Gotcha. And curiously, you know, based on your experience, like you said, doing this sort of trial and error learning as you go, I'm curious as you sort of, I hate to say, look back on your career because you're not, you know what I mean? Like you're not retiring yep. tomorrow or anything like that, right? You you still got you still mm-hmm. got ways to go. But as you think about the earlier years in your career and where you are now, right? How do you think about mentoring or opening doors for diverse groups of people, people that next generation that's coming as well, too. Yeah. So I look at it twofold. One is, you know, there's been a real interesting perspective being at Black Enterprise, because if you think about Black Enterprise, they've had what's called the board list. And Black Enterprise was very instrumental in getting Black people or diversity hires on corporate boards and in executive C-suite positions. So when I look at the work I'm doing now, is to continue that. You know, we just had a board list come out, I think, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I think something like upwards of 76% of Fortune 500 companies now have a Black board member on their board. And that's extremely important. 10, 15 years ago, it was under like 20%. So it's come a long way. And, you know, really helping to get that information out there, do different events and put out content that shows people this is how you can get to this level. It's certainly what I try to strive for and help people learn about and understand. On the flip side, looking back, there is perspective. Like I never really thought about that when I looked at a company to see what their leadership looked like or who was on the board. 
And yeah. those are things that never really occurred to me until I really got to Black Enterprise and say, oh, that's very important. You know, when I look back at the days at iHeartMedia, and I was actually checking this this morning just to make sure I was correct, they finally got a Black board member two years ago. And I give them kudos for that. You know, they should, right? But if you look at their executive structure, there's probably 20 executives in that structure and they have one Black person. And I know this is a very inclusive podcast and I'm very inclusive of our allies, but we at Black Enterprise are looking at things as very, you know, Black focus, obviously. But when we look at it, you know, we look at people who are in charge of DEI, the person at iHeart is a white woman. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with that, but those are the kind of things you see is like the commitment to diversity is diversity as a whole, which is important. But Black people have a particular history in this country where we've been left behind, whether it's, you know, just Jim Crow laws to outward racism, you know, you see on a day-to-day police brutality and all that type of stuff. There is an extra emphasis that we at Black Enterprise put on that to make sure that we have diverse voices and diverse people in these structures. And diversity for us focuses mainly on Black African-American people and generally women and men. So it just shows like I never knew to look at those type of things. And now when I look at companies, the first thing I look at is like, what's their board makeup? Who's in their executive suite? You're telling me you can't find a person of color to do that role. I find that surprising. So, you know, it's a commitment that at Black Enterprise, like I say, we push forward all the time. And now it's a commitment that I push forward to make sure that I'm, I'm looking out for other people to get into those type of roles. Thank you for sharing that, Justin. I'm curious, you you said a few things that really uh, sort of dialed into words like commitment. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about the way you're sort of directly having your finger on the pulse of just like what's kind of happening, reaching diverse audiences. And especially, like you said, maybe with a little bit more focus even on Black and African-American sort of audiences that are male and female, right? And I want to ask you this question, are you and then others, and I want to say kind of like your network of work peers that might be able to also sort of speak to budgets mm-hmm. and actual media dollars starting to flow, reaching diverse audiences. What's your take and what are your peers and others around you sort of feeling when it comes to that? Yeah. So I think there's been a commitment. There's been an effort. I heard Dutavio on this podcast recently. And he said the same thing. Like there's been a tremendous increase in agency dollars, in corporate dollars flowing to black owned media. And that's extremely positive. There's a ways to go, but seeing post George Floyd and everything that went there, the commitment has been there. There's a lot of great people, Gonzalo over at Group M, Mike Roca over at OMD. There's so many great people who've been focused on this and helping us make the connections. And then it's for us in on the Black publishing and the media side to also help educate the agency people and say, hey, this is a qualified audience who you should be reaching and you should be reaching them through Black-owned publications because we are an authentic voice. We are an authority in our community. Obviously, you can reach this audience by buying at different spots. You can probably get you know Black audience ESPN or NBA.com or, or Complex or wherever it is. But there's an importance to funding or helping support the mission of Black-owned media and just seeing the things that Black Enterprise does. When I talk about all the stories you're right, we don't cover all the salacious stuff that everybody else covers. We're covering significant business movements within the Black community, entrepreneurial opportunities, investment opportunities, 
all those type of corporate opportunities, those type of things. We are a unique brand and publication, and that's what we go to market with that way. So we've seen a great movement from the agencies and the advertisers our direction, and we want to keep working with them to educate them and educate them about the brand of Black Enterprise and all Black media in general. That's great, Justin. I want to ask you a follow-up to that because I think there's something significant there. And I want you to sort of think about why it's important that your publication focuses specifically on that content. So this is a content-related question. Yeah. Why is that important today? Yeah, I think a lot of it is, you know, you want to hear stories from a trusted voice. And we could tell stories that are solely Black stories, like a woman owns like eight Mack trucks, you know, and that's her business. And it's like, wow, we didn't know that she existed. Or, you know, you have a young girl who starts a Barbie doll company. Oh, we didn't know that existed. We can help take local stories and make them broad and national. And that's a lot of what we do. But at the same time, we could take random general interest stories and put our spin on it or give it, you know, authentic voice and say, hey, this is an important story you need to know about. You need to know why the Fed is raising interest rates. You need to know about the student loan, whether it's a pause or forgiveness. We want to be able to help the community and have a trusted voice hear from us. And it's the same thing you see maybe in the political realm as well. People like to hear from their trusted voices to understand, you know, cut out some of the noise and other things that are out there. And I think that's what we do at Black Enterprise. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Justin. That's super helpful and great to hear. I want to sort of go back in the time machine again, thinking about where you're at now and all of your experience across many different types of companies, even all the work still to be done. There's the early days of Justin. There's Justin where he is now. Looking back, what are some things that you could pass along to others that you've learned along the way that would be helpful to others in their career? Because I I think so much about what you said just a few minutes ago, it resonates so much with Corel, myself, so many listeners that we talk to and we see at events that said exactly what you said, that you had no one really to sort of learn from. Right. You know what I mean? And and that's a big reason why we do this. Right. There's no sort of folks to look up to. There were no sort of mentors necessarily readily available. And when we say available, you know, it doesn't always mean that you are going to sit down and get a lunch or get a coffee or hang out. Right. that way. It might even be listening, watching, seeing, hearing, reading. Mm-hmm. So what are some things early on or what were some things that you think you could pass along one or two things to? some listeners out there that may be listening and thinking, man, Justin's had an awesome career. I can learn from a few steps that he's gone through already. Yeah. Well, I I think certainly the first thing, and this is actually digital media specific, is that you have to have intellectual curiosity for this industry. This is not something that's a slow moving type of situation. This is like fast moving, changing every 18 months. So you have to be reading all the different periodicals, whether that's Digiday, Media Post, Ad Age, Ad Week, whatever it may be, making Mm -hmm. sure that you're keeping on top of that. What I was able to have the opportunity doing early on or mid-career was making sure I went to industry conferences. So you'll always see me at all the industry conferences that are out there, similar names I just mentioned for publications, the same thing, those same conferences being in the picture, speaking to people who were 
just like you who are going through the same thing. So when you have an issue, you can call up a person you know who works at another publication and say, hey, what are you doing about this? Or where do you see the future going there? I think that another thing that I've been very good with is being close to the vendors. And I consider them partners, not just vendors, is that you know these are people who speak to 50, 100 different publications all the time. So they have insight that you can glean from them as well. So in that realm, on the digital media technical side, I think that's one way to do it. When it comes to just, let's say, rising the corporate ladder or dealing with microaggressions or things like that, it is a little bit more tough because as we are diversifying more and there are more people who are willing to help, it's still very sparse out there in you know minority leadership. And not everybody has the time to essentially sit down and and walk you through the process. But it is good to you know do podcasts like this, tell your story, make sure people understand that, you know, this is something that happens all the time. And how do we navigate through it? I don't really have a great answer for it, but it's just like you have to experience it. And I, I call it spinning the wheel. Like you keep spinning that wheel until you hit like the right number. And it happens every once in a while. And you might go through some situations that aren't perfect and you stay there for a while and then you find the next situation that's right. That's the things that I would recommend is don't stay somewhere where you're not appreciated. Don't stay somewhere where your opinions aren't taken seriously or you have a whole bunch of microaggressions or whatever it may be, because there's opportunities out there to succeed. And if you're a high functioning individual, you get to the right spot and then you'll make it happen. And, And that's essentially what happened at Black Enterprise. I had great success at Viacom, MTV News, increasing traffic. I did great at iHeartMedia. But when I got to Black Enterprise, Butch Graves, the CEO, was essentially like, hey, I'm going to give you ownership of everything. So now you can control editorial, you can control programmatic ad ops, social media product. And having that control allows me to be my free self, my full self, and put together the strategy that I know can work, that I've seen work other places. And it's just like, I consider myself like a person who was an offensive coordinator for many years, running someone else's offense to a certain extent. And now like I have people running my offense and my defense, and I'm just the head coach of this. And they've learned a lot. And I look at some of my coaching tree where they are in black media and they have the same thing and they've done well as well. So I think there's just so much out there you can learn, but it's like really being in the right space in the right place at the right time. And and sometimes that's difficult, but if you keep trying, you can get to that space. I think one of the things you said in there, Justin, that's key to growing your career in our space and probably a lot of other spaces too, is the networking piece, being out and about at events, at social gathering, whatever it may be, meeting people. I tell people coming into the industry all the time that your next job is going to come from someone you met that's a connection, not you filling out an application on LinkedIn, right? Or any other website. And I think that that is so important for people to to realize that your network is so important to your growth in this space. Correct. Yeah. And I've always heard it referred to as almost like a pyramid, right? At the bottom, there's so many positions. As you go up the pyramid, there are fewer and fewer positions. Like you say, you're not going to get another SVP job, most likely sending you know a resume through LinkedIn. But if you know somebody and they're looking for somebody and you're out in that space, they'll know your name and they'll be like, oh yeah, Justin, he's a person would be great for this job. We've seen the work he's done or whoever, not necessarily me, but whoever it may be, that's what you're going to see is, you know, yeah. having those 
relationships and building rapport with people. And on a personal level, like when I talk to people at different conferences, it might be some about work, but it's a lot about life. It's a lot about family. It's getting to know people. And the same thing with the vendor partners. I always want to make sure that I have a great relationship with the vendor partners because if something goes wrong, they know me personally. They know my family family situation, at least a little bit. And they're like, hey, we don't want to make sure that Justin is not going to be successful. We're going to help him out. So it's always good. I, I really ever make a deal with someone who I haven't you know, really broken bread with or met at a conference or something. It's very important for me to not have all the relationships in my life be transactional. I want to make sure I have a deeper connection with people. That's what I always tell people is make sure you have that connection. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Fun question that I, I love asking every guest that we have on the podcast which is to give us the top three apps that you use on your phone, which you can name email, calendar, or text messaging, because those are just too boring. Yeah, I know. I knew this question was coming. And I didn't really think about it. I, I am. So I'm not using those, those, those apps. I do use them, obviously. But, you know, I'm a big political junkie. So I'm always on the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post. Those are the three ones that I probably use the most just so I can know what's going out there. It gives me business. It gives me politics. It gives me national news. Those are the three that I kind of work with. I'm not really a gamer. I dabble with the social media, but I'm not an influencer. And Twitter is interesting for a lot of things that I like to personally look at, you know, like when I'm watching my sports teams and communicating and commiserating with the New York sports teams when they have, you know, losses <laughs> and, and injuries and, and, and a whole host of things that are not winning. That's great. But yeah, I'm really more of like, I'm a news junkie. That's why I'm in media. And those are the three that I probably start my day off with. That's awesome. I'm going to ask you to give us one more, not in the sort of biz politics, national. News. <laughs> yeah. When your mind's like, I want to unplug from that. What's maybe one more. Music, oh, social. Well, yeah, I, I use Spotify a lot. Um, ah, there we go. There you go. <laughs> Spotify, <laughs> you know, and it's so weird. Like, you know, you get so focused on just the, the music that you put together and you don't experience other music that's out there. And because, you know, I'm a New York City person, I rarely drive that often. So I'm not, even though I have serious XM, I don't use it as much. So my thing is really, you know, obviously I use Spotify a lot. And then all the other apps did i consider the ott apps so the netflixes of the world uh the hulus the apple plus etc so i'm not so interesting in my app selection <laughs> i think it's like the broad apps that most people use but those are the ones that i focus on normally that's cool all right justin thank you so much and thanks for spending some time with us really enjoyed our conversation and thank you for passing along your personal experiences and sharing that with others a lot of times our listeners like to stay in touch and reach out to you. What are some easy ways that they can get in touch with you? You can get in touch with me on, I say Twitter. You know, I think it's uh, Justin Barton NY at Justin Barton NY. And then certainly on LinkedIn, just find Justin Barton. I work at Black Enterprise and certainly you can link me in there. Those are the two easiest places to get in touch with me. And certainly I can give you my email address if we continue a conversation, but reach out to me on those platforms. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Thanks very much, Justin Barton. Appreciate yes. it. Everyone, thanks again for listening to a, another episode. You can find more episodes where you find all of your audio and video. Just search Minority Report Podcast and look for the logo. Thanks again.